You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to Guys Who Like Musicals. Welcome to Guys Who Like the Musicals. We're back. We got guests. We got talking. We got interviews. We're, we're... No more of us pontificating about the world <laughs> events or about shows and giving our two cents. Exactly. Who cares what, what, what we think? Exactly. We'll still do that, but we're going to do that with friends um, and really accomplished artists. We're talking to Telly Leung this week. Uh, we're talking about... Uh, we actually don't talk about Aladdin. No. Like, literally one of his biggest credits we don't get to. But this Can was, I just say? Yeah. Goals to Unbelievable be 36 goals. and playing Aladdin. This yeah, guy yes, yeah. is young forever. <laughs> He's young I mean, forever. I was looking at him during this interview, and I was like, look at that. Look at his face. We got to start moisturizing, Dan. We got to start moisturizing. You know what it is? You know what it what? is? What? I got to stop drinking. Yeah. Well, okay. So so here's here's what we're going to do. We're going to... We, we've, we're vaccinated. Vaxed. We're, we're vaxed, and we're, we're ready, but we're going to stop drinking, and we're going to start moisturizing, and we're going to be directors, and we're going to play Aladdin at 36, even though... We, 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 we can't play Aladdin, but that's okay. Um, Telly Leung, Godspell <laughs> in Transit. Uh, we don't talk about Glee. He was on Glee nope, for a bunch of episodes. we don't talk about Wicked. He's been on a bunch of TV shows. We just, it, and it was still one of the best interviews we've ever had. Um, so we're gonna, just going to jump into it. We love you. So an actor is saying his lines, yeah. and then out of nowhere, he just starts singing. Five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> Jimmy, don't cry for me. So, Telly, um, yes, Aladdin and Allegiance in Transit and Rent and Godspell and Glee and all of the, we're going to, all of these credits mean nothing because you just (laughs) got back from directing at the University of Michigan. That's the only thing that we want to hear. That's that's your alma mater, Joe. (laughs) Oh, boy. I'm obviously kidding. And I want to talk about all of those things, but how you just directed Godspell. I did. So, in the middle of in a the pandemic. middle of a pandemic. What? So what happened was the what happened was Vince Cardinal, who's the <laughs> head of musical theater over there, who I I've taught master classes at the University of Michigan before. Actually, I flew in on a Monday on a day off from Aladdin, and I you know I was there for all of twelve hours, and I, I flew on a Monday morning and flew back on a Monday night. But I I got to work with his students, and you know as we as we all know, it's an incredible school, an incredible program. They turn out some incredible talent. You know nobody we know, of course. <laughs> That's on yeah, this, exactly, but but exactly. uh, but you know, but I but I was so so. What happened was Vince said, "Listen, the these seniors have had so many of their expected experiences of senior year canceled. They've been in Zoom University for a year and a half. Their senior mm-hmm. show, which was going to be Rent, got canceled because there's no way to do Rent, you know, during a pandemic without touching each other and kissing mm-hmm. and all of that. So he said, but we've secured the rights to Godspell." And I was talking to the faculty about who should come and direct this very last minute. And Lynn Shankle was actually the one that said, you should call Telly. And then everybody went, oh, do you think he'll do it? And so I I was in New York and I I think I got a call on a Wednesday. And it just so happened that on that Wednesday, I had a symphony job in Florida that canceled on me. That was an outdoor symphony. You know, I thought, surely this will go. Everybody's seated Mm -hmm. in pods. But of course, back in back in February or so, the numbers were skyrocketing in Feb- in, right. for COVID. So they canceled the gig. So literally the morning that this gig got canceled, that was going to be taking up most of my March, Vince calls and goes, would you ever consider 
directing Godspell, it's very last minute. You'd, you'd have to come to Ann Arbor by March 6th, which gives you about three weeks to prep. And I said, well, I've never directed before, but I have worked, <laughs> never. And I said, so I really don't know what I'm doing, but... I have worked with college kids before. I teach, I mean, I teach at NYU on and off as an adjunct. And, you know, I've, I've taught master classes at college programs all over the country. And, and I said, and I really know Godspell really well. So I said, mm. actually, yes. And he says, okay, great. Well, just so you know, you have to stage them nine feet apart. They have to be in masks the entire time. You have to do a room rest and air out a room every 100 minutes. And so I went, oh God, what did I, what did I just oh, walk man. into? But, um, all of, also they were like, and also the, the, you know, everybody is furloughed in the, at the university money is, you know, we're dipping into the endowments money is down. So you have no budget. Good luck. (laughs) 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 But it actually presented a really wonderful, um, creative challenge for me as a first time director. I basically tasked all of my designers, an amazing group of student designers, uh, with I, the three R's, recycle, repurpose, reuse. So I Love said, it. if you have, if there are set pieces from past shows and they had just done Romeo and Juliet, they said, well, there's a platform here that's balcony level. I said, great, don't don't strike that. Don't take that apart. Keep that. They're like, well, there's a moving ladder piece from another musical review we did last year. Great, use that. I said, yep. pull costumes. Yep. I had the costume designers pull costumes from every other show. So, you know, there are elements of Romeo and Juliet, 42nd Street. I mean, every show that SMTD has ever done in the last 10 years, mm-hmm. you see little bits and pieces of it. And it was it forced all of us to be very creative. Um, and and we filmed it. There was no wow. audience. So, uh, you know, that that's the other part of it that is tricky now. So even though I'm done directing and I just got back from Ann Arbor this week, um, now I'm in the thick of post-production. Mm. Wow. So do we, are, is there a world where we can buy tickets? To Actually, this thing? it will be free. It will be streaming free. And if you go to the University of Michigan SMTD site and you sign on to what their season is, I think they just announced their season, um, you can get on a mailing list to sign up for information on when Godspell will be released. And I think we're aiming for the end of May, May 21st, I think is the date. But it'll be f- streaming nice. free. Wow. Cool. Who's doing the post-production? Is it is that student done as well? <laughs> yeah, it's actually, uh, I'm doing a little bit of post-production, but also there is a great video production team that is made of all uh, SMTD grads from UMich. They're called Sly Pup Productions. And uh, mm-hmm. they have been doing all of the live captures for all of the operas and dance concerts and musicals that, that the department has done. So um, cool. they've really stepped up and they've done an amazing job. And they're, they're all, you know... They're all SMTT grads. So even though they're videographers and editors and sound engineers, they are also, uh, you know, percussion majors and they were dance majors. And so they're hmm. they're of this world right. where not only are they skilled videographers in, in, the, in that world, but they're also artists themselves. So they really know how to do the live capture really well. Oh, my gosh. So that's who we lost the job to, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that's it. That's Dan, why that's, they haven't been who... responding to our calls. No, exactly. Because well, Dan and I did, we Dan and I did uh, the all the showcases for the class of 2020 and the class of 21 for the acting majors. Yeah, ah. and we were like, "Hey, musical theater majors, like, you know, can we help?" And they were like, "No, we're good. <laughs> we got it because they got because they got they got this yeah. crew." And and so this crew is also doing that and editing Godspell. Um, I mean, talk about about. Uh, ingenuity you know horrible horribleness being the key to invention i mean 
did you did you want to we're going to talk about the we're going to talk about Aladdin we're going to talk about Rent we're going to talk about all the like the sexy stuff but I want to like did you want to did you always want to direct is this something that the pandemic forced upon you in a way that you were kind of excited about or did it I, I was definitely excited about it but I I just yeah. never thought I was good enough to do it so I think I had a little bit mm. of imposter syndrome of I've worked with incredible directors, you know, during my time. Casey Nicola, Michael Greif, Joe Mantello, they're incredible directors, staff at Arima. They really know what they're doing. And here mm-hmm. I was going, I'm gonna direct right. you know, the next generation of Broadway. I, I guess I'd put a lot of pressure on myself to to always yeah. have the answer and to always be right. And and knowing that I was coming in and being a formative part of their education. And then ultimately, I what I sort of learned in my experience there is that the best thing I've ever heard a director say to me is, I don't know, let's find it together. And I found right. myself my, catching mm. myself in the rehearsal room, feeling all the stress and the pressure of having the answers and going, wait a minute, I don't need all the answers. I, I actually need to just hold the space for all of us to find the answers together and it'll make for a better show and it'll make for a better experience for everybody. You know, the reason why doing Godspell excited me at the University of Michigan is because it's it's the process of putting together Godspell is unlike any other show. So when they did it in 1970, you know, if you pick up the Godspell script from back then, you'll see the names Gilmer, Peggy, Lamar. Well, those are the original right. actors. And the script is basically, basically just bits that they've created in improvisations. It's work they devised. So when you pick up the script from 2011, wow. it's the same. You'll see my name, Telly, Uzo, Nick, Blameyer, George Salazar, Lindsay Mendez. You'll go, oh, that's these bits that are in that script are all stuff that we created out of improvs. So I very much wanted to go to Michigan and say, that's the experience I want to give these musical theater majors. I know they can sing. I know they can dance. I know they can act. But the the experience of creating something from nothing and having complete mm. ownership of this moment or complete ownership of this bit, also having a collective ownership by going, I've contributed this part of part to it or this idea but this idea has morphed into something even better because there have been 13 heads put together in a room and and we came up with something even greater that started from a germ of an idea that i had so i really wanted them to Mm. a have ownership but b have um a true collaborative experience so i just held the space for that to happen and i when i sort of take took the pressure off to have all of the answers and to have everything staged and to know exactly how i was going to stage them nine feet apart i I sort of went okay like i don't know and we'll we'll find it it's okay that's amazing i think the best advice i ever got from from any director or teacher ever was that you don't need to have any answers you just need to ask the right questions yeah. And I've had a director who's taken mm. that too far where the only thing they ever do is they answer a question with a question and you're like, no, but like, <laughs> I need some help. <laughs> do here. I enter stage right or left? Like, yeah, but do you enter stage right? <laughs> That's a good director I don't know. Do trick. I? Do you? You know? Just do throw you? it right, just do throw you? it right back. Right. What do you think it is? Right. Which is which is also takes some stress right. away, but but is also really helpful because I think like the thing about working with stage actors as a director is that it's different from movies because you don't have final say they have final say what happens on the stage is up to them you know when i worked on sound of music for a year like we had all of these children and it was the children's job to carry the show and the director had to teach the children how to carry the show because it was really up to them and that's kind of the brilliance of stage performance and stage directing yeah 
You got to like lead a horse to water and desperately hope that they it's drink. It's all about inception. Hope that they <laughs> yeah. get the note themselves so that they can actually bring it to their work. That's right. Um, well, and Telly, I love that because what you're talking about, I feel like, is the only thing that I felt was lacking in my uh, university education was the true build it from the ground up, the way that you do on Broadway or in development, you know, with workshops mm-hmm. and and readings when no one has any answers. And you're just, you have to, that's what the professional world is. The professional world is you're an actor walking into a space, have, you know, contributing your ideas to somebody who has written something, someone who's, you know, and a director and whatever. And in college, so often the professors, like you look to your professor and you're like, did I, is that the right answer? And for better or worse, they say yes or no, hmm. as opposed to this space that you created where it sounds like you were having them truly come up with like, you know, I'm not going to give you the answer because nobody's going to give the answer in, in, three months when you graduate, people are going to be done giving you the answer. Right. Uh, our director on Godspell, Danny Goldstein, he, um, we always had a motto in rehearsals, which was strong and wrong. So don't, you yeah. know, don't, don't sort right. of, uh, don't censor your idea before you've presented it. Let's make sure we're in a room where you can feel safe to commit boldly to something really strong and you might fall flat on your face and it might not be <laughs> the right choice right, in that moment right. or it might be highly right. embarrassing that you even tried it but we all sort of had strong and wrong moments in our creation of that show 10 years ago and um what ended up happening was wow. we have we had a giant piece of oak tag that we called the the graveyard and everybody's on the graveyard everybody's bad bits that never made it that fell flat on their face that got no laughs in a preview audience Everybody's on it. Even Schwartz is on it. Schwartz wrote like a little bit of a song. It, it was terrible. It never worked. And, so, and he was like, yep. He's like, we tried it. it, it this is bad. Put it on the graveyard. You know, so it's, it's very humbling. It's why I wow. love going to Joe Allen. Yeah. Because when you go to Joe Allen and you sit in that restaurant and you look at all those posters around you of all of the, you know, quote unquote flop shows, you realize, yeah, right. oh my gosh, Stephen Sondheim's on this wall. Hal Prince is on this wall. You know, right. people that mm-hmm. are, people that have, you know, you only think of their successes. Actually, they've had a, their their share of flops as well. You know, and those mm-hmm. and those right. quote unquote flops were also were part of that journey to get to. You know, I'm sure Hal Prince had to go through "Merrily We Roll Along" in order to get to "Fan of the Opera." Do you mean right, right, right? Yeah. So right. I mean, we we came in we came in really Look hot at the with mug. the Michigan. He's stuff. got the Michigan mug. Look, he's got the mugs. I, also, I I got the mug because a um it's a cult and people can't <laughs> will the Michigan it's a cult. People will will give it's you swag left and right. And but also I was staying at this hotel that had like the tiny coffee mugs. Like they have the really mm. itty bitty ones and mm. I said this is not acceptable. So I went to the right. M den. And I found the biggest <laughs> mug I could possibly find. So now I drink out of this Michigan mug all day. I love yes. it. Yes, yes. Uh, that, uh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, well, I have a million questions for you, and I'm so thrilled that you're here. Um, I want to, you know, we'll, we'll, do a, we'll do a deep dive on some projects. We'll talk about some things. But I want to, I, I read this story, and this was some bad Wikipedia research. I'm just going to straight up, you know, just be, be honest about it. But your, your Broadway debut... And flower drum song came from came from meeting and getting to work with uh, the iconic Billy Porter, yep. who came back to. Is this true that he came back to Carnegie Mellon to direct a show that you were in, and then that that's kind of the the bridge the bridge to your Broadway debut? Yeah, uh, Billy um, Billy went to Carnegie Mellon, 
And when he was in the class of 91, and when he graduated, he went right into the original Broadway company of Miss Saigon, which was, you know, he was, he was first tenor, mm -hmm. of course, yeah. Billy yeah. Porter. <laughs> and, and he was covering John, I think, and he was a GI and, you know, so. He's the if, first tenor. Uh, like I would say like, right. like he's he, like, like, like not first tenor, the, the, the voice part, he is the first. Right. <laughs> he's like the, the as first we refer tenor. to the, the first lady as, or, you know, or the first, you know. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, the first yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the yeah. Michelle Obama of tenors. <laughs> that's yeah, right. He's that's, the Michelle yeah, Obama of tenors. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and and Billy, you know, in working on Miss Saigon, he got to know this sort of very small community of Asian actors that mm -hmm. were that you know, and, and Miss Saigon turned out a, a a decade's worth, gave a decade's worth of Asian performers their debut, their breaks, all of mm -hmm. that, right? So, um, the gentleman who was the dance captain of Miss Saigon in '91 is this gentleman named Mark Oka an incredible Broadway dancer. He's done like nine or 10 Broadway shows. And he was going to be the associate choreographer and dance captain on Flower Drum Song, which had a huge successful run out in LA at the Mark Taper Forum. It had a mm. new book by David Henry Huang, directed and choreographed by Bobby Longbottom. And so uh, Mark and Billy were friends and, and Billy had come back to Carnegie Mellon Again, his first time directing. He had never directed before, mm. but he was interested in exploring other sides of his artistry. I think he, at, at the time he was like, New York only sees me in one way. You know, I'm mm. the black guy that comes in the middle of the show, does my first tenor duties, stops the show, and that's it. And I'm not being seen as other things. So I think he was looking for opportunities to expand his definition of what his artistry was. And he was mm. like, what better place to do it than his alma mater, Carnegie Mellon. And he's from Pittsburgh. So he lived at home mm. and he got to spend time with his family. And the senior show, I don't even think he got to pick the show. It just so happened that the department picked company for us. He did come and cast the show. So he double cast the show with me and Leo Ash Evans, my best friend from college, as we were both Bobby in company. Mm. No way. And we would switch. Well, Leo. Leo. Leo is, is, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but Musical Theater College Auditions, MTCA, MTCA. the company that, that Telly and I both work for that helps uh, high school students who audition for college programs. Not an ad. Leo is the... The, not an ad, but <laughs> if you want to work with Telly or I, we're we're available yeah. for coachings. Um, um, but Leo, that's amazing. So Leo, Leo is the is the the sort of co. I don't know what his title the, is now of the company. Oh, yeah, co-owner. Yeah, co-owner, co-boss yeah. of of MTCA. That's crazy. Okay, so you guys were both cast. Sorry. Yeah, and I, and I so um, and it was during that time that Billy. Billy knew that Flower Drum Song was going to open in the fall at the Virginia Theater, now the August Wilson Theater. Mm. And so he called Mark Oka and he said, there are three Asian kids in my cast of company. You should see them because it's an all Asian cast and they're sort of the next generation coming up. Now, mm. granted, Bobby, me, I'm in every scene of company. So he was like, you can't miss tech. We were in the middle of tech rehearsals. He's like, so you have to finish tech at midnight which I did. Then I jumped on a Greyhound bus with two, my two classmates. We rode a Greyhound bus overnight, got to like, got to Port Authority at like nine in the morning. I splashed some water on my face and I was at my first Broadway dance call at Ripley Greer. And this was one of these oh agents submissions only calls. So like I, I didn't have an agent. I didn't have anybody. Billy Porter was basically my agent. Billy Porter picked up the phone and called. <laughs> right. And so I was there with all of these other Asian performers who had done years of Miss Saigon, who had a Broadway credit, who did King and I, who did. So I was like, oh God, okay. And so, um, but I, I, you know, danced, did the jazz combination, did the ballet combination. And then at the end of it, I, they were like, can you stay and, and read some sides and sing? I said, sure, okay. And I saw when I walked in, Mark Oka whispered to Bobby Longbottom on the side, hey, this is Billy Porter's student. And, and Bobby goes, oh, I hear you're, you're, you're at Carnegie Mellon now. You're just a college student. He was like, I was like, yeah. He's like, and I hear you're doing company. I said, yeah. He's like, sing Being Alive. 
which literally was in my book. I had just done it the night before. It was like the thing that was the most fresh and alive in me. So I said, great. And that was my, that was my audition for, for a Broadway show. And I took the Greyhound bus back to Pittsburgh, went back to rehearsal, went back to class, went back to tech. And I told, and Billy was like, all right, Diva, how'd you do? How'd it go? And I was like, well, I, I think it went well. They kept me all through all the dance calls. And I, I got to read and I sang being alive. He was like, mm-hmm, I already got a phone call about you. And I said, oh, okay. He's like, I think you have a callback. I said, okay, well, if I get a callback and if I get this job, Billy, I know I only get like 25 words in my playbill, you know, as like ensemble <laughs> person number five. But I said, but I promise you, thank you, Billy Porter will be the last four. And if you go to my playbill, my first Broadway payable, it's like, thanks, mom. Thanks, Carnegie Mellon. You know, and then it's like, thank you, Billy Porter, are the last four words of my yes. first oh Broadway playbill because he he stuck his neck wow. out right. for all of us. You know, he did it for me, Patina Miller, Leslie Odom. Like he has done that time and time again. I, I, I So it, this is not this is story is not unique to me. If you ask people in the industry, Billy has been a, a champion for for a lot of people. Um, and I think that wow. he could he, if you ask him, he'll also tell you that there have been people in his life that have been champions for him. The Rosie O'Donnells mm -hmm. and the you right, know, so right. like I, I you know, it's um he paid it forward in a really beautiful way. And I think that's part of the reason why I, I love the teaching and opportunities like going to University of Michigan, because it's my chance to pay it forward. It's my chance to sort of know who the next generation coming up is and right. lend a hand and be a resource if I can. So, mm -hmm. um, oh. so yeah, so I, I, I have Billy to thank for that Broadway debut. Thanks, Billy. That is, oh my God, an unbelievable That's story. Iconic. It's an unbelievable story. It's like, it's, it's, it's something like if you, I don't know, I, I think it, I think that's the movie. Like if you want to write, <laughs> tell me, if you want to write the, like a movie of, of anything, I think that like, I, I see that, I just want to see that like play out on screen in a way. That, that's just so Just telly. It's like Yentl. Yeah. <laughs> just one name. Yeah, right. Right. That's what right, it takes exactly. though. You know, you need somebody to yeah. be your champion and, and you need somebody to stick their neck out and then you need to be ready when the time comes, you know, and I'm right. sure there's hundreds of stories similar to yours where the person didn't show up. Right. That's right. So, you know, that's right. It, there is this pressure of going, Oh, uh Oh, like somebody, somebody picked up the phone and called on my behalf and really believes in me. And you better believe that there is that added pressure of going, I can't, not only can I not let myself down, I can't let the person down that stuck his or her neck out for me, you know? Right. Right. And so how did you have the confidence right. to just kind of push through that and, and, you know, I have to say, um, uh, college is great and, and studying musical theater in college is great. I think I learned how to comport myself at auditions like that from years of summer stock. So summer stock mm -hmm. and actually getting to put your technique that you learn all year long to the metal over the summer is, is, is like for me, the best training, you know, so going to auditions for the Muni or Pittsburgh CLO when I was uh, a college kid between, you know, between semesters for my summers was, was the best training in the world. Uh, you know, and, yeah. and it's, um, and I have to say, like, I, I think men, those many years of, and many shows at the Muni and Pittsburgh CLO were, were sort of prepared me for that as well, yeah. as much as, as much as college did. It's really the gauntlet. Like those auditions, it, it's, it's like you're, you, you come out of college having gone to all of those summer stock auditions and whether, whether you were lucky enough to book work or not, like, I mean, you know, Dan and I did a lot of theater in college at like the smaller places and you come out of those auditions for 
PCLO or the Muni, and you have like you have the scars of of war in a way. You know, you're like I waited in that waiting room with 500 people. One year I auditioned as a dancer. Dan, did I ever tell you that? Oh God, I auditioned at the at the Muni as a dancer. God, that was a mistake. The mistake. The mistakes we make. <laughs> I just remember watching John Riddle stand center stage and sing on the street where you live. I'll never forget it. It was the last oh. Paul Blake's last year and um, mm-hmm. the iconic Paul Blake. And that was yeah. they, when they still made everybody sing on the street where you live in the callback. And there's I'm up there and I was feeling great because it, it didn't hurt as bad as a hockey audition. You know, you know, like a hockey tryout. <laughs> I was just so excited. I was like, this is great. No one's going to hit me. I was like, I feel awesome. This is I've never had that confidence as I did that first year. But then watching John Riddle oh stand God. there and sing on the street where you live, I was like, oh, 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 uh, yeah. oh, yeah. oh, okay. Did so you tell him this... that when we had him on the show? I think you did. Uh, maybe I did. But, maybe I did. I'll never anyway. forget it. I oh did Titanic God. with John Riddle at the Muni. Did you? We ah. sunk a ship on that stage. <laughs> we surely did. It was just a platform that they put on a forklift, and we went boop, 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 and it just tilted, and, it was, and people would like, oh, no. <laughs> I mean, it was like, it was sort of amazing. I said, how are we going to sink a ship outdoors with a yeah. tree in the back? Oh, my. Yeah, well, they, yeah, they did. They did. Oh my gosh! I want. I want that revival. We've been, that's been kicking around for a minute, right? Like, can we get Titanic? We've talked about it on the show before, but like, if you don't know the Titanic, if you don't know Titanic, that is a gorgeous yeah. freaking yeah slaps. We had we we yeah. had a fun, you know we had Kevin Stites there uh, actually conducting. He conducted the original Broadway cast, so I mean, wow. getting to learn that show from Kevin Stites is incredible. And he brought you know he he hired m- many of the people in that Titanic cast were from the Broadway company so mm. that was really great yeah. and um a- and also maury yeston ended up coming to see wow. that production so it was actually really fun oh, to do. cool wow well i'd love to do we'd love to do a deep dive into one of your projects and i wanted to kind of leave it to you you've had such a an amazing career up to this point and i i thought it would be fun you know you've you've done rent many times you have a deep history with that show i know that the allegiance story the story of developing that from literal germ of an idea to to bringing it all the way to broadway might be cool for people to hear whatever you want to but is there something one of the one of these 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 parts of your career that oh gosh be fun to dig into I, you know I, I wish we had like a wheel or something like a telly wheel where we could just like spin it and pick one but like i i um i don't know it's in, it's interesting i i guess the the show that has been the show that has been sort of reverberating a lot recently is allegiance because mm. it it is a show you know it's a show that has only run that only ran on broadway for four months i worked right. on it the development of it for six plus oh, there's there's car horns outside <laughs> yeah but um new york new york, new york city. city but i i worked on that show for six plus years uh developing wow. the show from 2009 on was the first reading i did and that stafford arima did and um and 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 lynn shankle was brought on as well and mm. um it, it's you know that show is is sort of making an, another visitation for me because I realized so many people are actually teaching that show in either history class or you know, I spoke to Brent Wagner's class in at, mm. at Michigan because he was oh, wow. teaching it as part of his history of musical theater class. I know that Michael McElroy is using it in his freshman classes uh, at NYU New Studio and Broadway. So it's interesting. I've actually been wow. invited especially with the virtual format that we're all living in mm-hmm. to come into Zoom classrooms and talk about 
allegiance. And so this show that only had a life of four months on Broadway actually is being told again and again and again in classrooms. And I, I'm also reminded of the importance of that show because it is about a time where there was, where the Asian American community felt a lot of racism and prejudice and mm -hmm. fear and war hysteria. And we're sort of unfortunately visiting that time again in our nation's history mm -hmm. where my community is again being, being attacked and, and, and purely based on the color of our skin right. and, and, or where our families are from. So, right. um, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, that show asked so many questions about what it means to be American or what it looks like to be American. And, mm -hmm. and I, and, and, you would think that after, after you know, three years of internment, of after fighting a world war, that we'd we we'd be beyond those questions, and yet here we are, again in twenty twenty one, dealing with all of the same stuff. Right. Yeah. But that's why it's so good that they're talking about it in these classes, and that we go to places that are teaching this kind of history, because that's the the American conundrum, is that our history books are not sufficient. There's a lot right. of things that you don't learn about and certain right. parts of the country, you definitely don't learn about them. And I didn't know about Japanese internment camps until I was in college. There was a lot of things I didn't learn about until I was in college going to a Catholic high school in New England. Right. And there were a lot of mm -hmm. things that I was taught that I that were very important to my family and the values of like what a religious school means and all of those things that like I did get the benefit of, of having, but there's all those also things that we don't have. And that's why, you know, I wish that <laughs> I don't know how we make shows that need to matter, matter more, but I just wish that there was some puzzle piece that we could unlock because I think I never got to see that show. I was, um, I remember when you all were, um, we, I was happened to be at New 42 at the same time. I think it may have been the Sound of Music tour. What year was that? 2000? It was 2015, 2015 right? 2015, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it was when, I think we were rehearsing the Sound of Music tour. And so, because we know Kevin Munhall pretty well, and so I saw him in the <laughs> like green room there a couple of times. But I really wanted daddy, to see that Kevin piece. Munhall. Yes. I love yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Baby. <laughs> daddy Munhall. Yeah. Daddy Munhall. Daddy Munhall. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, th I think with like, you know, we we learned about Japanese internment, like, uh, like a ch like a quarter of there was like a paragraph in a chapter exactly. in a history book, you know, in high school, and certainly there was no there was no story of of the the brave Asian American men and women who f who fought for right. The United States and and their families were living in internment camps while they were fighting for us. Right, right. Yet, like all of like, and and again, I I miss the show too. It's it's on Broadway HD. Right it's now, on right? Broadway HD. Yes. So if you have a subscription, so, you can watch it, and um, it's it's great, and it's being taught. So you yes. know, people are watching it. it. You know, that's sort of right. the amazing yeah. thing about you know, I uh, this pandemic is. I mean, I know I've I've burnt through my Broadway HD because I miss yeah. Broadway so much that it's it's uh yeah you know. But I really do think that uh, I think theater is, of course, entertaining, but it's also it can really be an agent for change because, you know, you can learn about the history. And e even if you read a book about the Japanese internment, it doesn't really mean anything until it's sort of put in the context of human beings and a story right. and, right. and right. sort of knowing the human experience of what that is. And I think theater does such a good job of that. And as far as 
you know, the formula as to having more stories like that. You know, whenever Broadway is back, and I do think Broadway will come roaring back when, when we're allowed to do so, mm-hmm. I think it's upon us to vote with our dollars, you know? So right, right, if, yeah. there's, if there is a kind of theater that you want to see, if there are stories you want to support, go, pay full price. Right, pay full right. price because know that your dollars is your vote. You know, right. you are voting yeah. for more theater like this to exist. And that's the thing. That that was the thing that really scared me about Allegiance. When it opened and closed in four months, uh, I, I don't think I was surprised because I, at the end, you know, Leah and I both knew after working a flower drum song, which also opened and closed in four months, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, it, it, these stories, we, we knew we were climbing an uphill battle, especially with the story about the Jap. When you think Japanese American internment, you don't think that that's going to be a commercially viable musical and right. yet we found the value and the and the importance of doing it because we knew how important that story was to tell on a big stage so we knew if it was just if we got to tell it for a day after working on the show for six years if we got to tell it for four months or four years or 40 years you know any of that time is a blessing and at the end of it our producer said to us you know over one hundred twenty thousand people saw the show in its four months. And that might not sound like a lot of people, but that is more people. You have now reached more people than were actually interned, you know, because it was 120,000 people who were removed from their homes and interned and put into these camps. So they said, actually your reach is pretty great, you know, and, and the fact that we filmed it, it'll only continue to reach more people. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, I, that's amazing. And, And we, we've talked about this before though, too, that like, that when you get to the top of Mount Broadway, whatever that means, and of course, Broadway is not the end-all be-all of human existence, but because of that, then it can, the, the shows can be toured, they can be done regionally, right. they can be done in high schools, they can be, they can live on in this way that, 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 like you said, Telly, that the story will continue to be told. So thank God it made it to that, to that, to that echelon in a way, right. you know? right. Unfortunately, if shows stories like that don't cross into the threshold of Broadway, then you know nobody really gets to see them again. Um, that's another thing yeah. that would be interesting to try and figure out. Telly, what would you say has been the greatest challenge that you've had in your career? Um, besides now, besides Broadway being shut down, besides, besides not this, being able to work for this, a year, yeah. Besides this, I think um, I don't know. I, I well, first of all, I have to say I, I would never count this. I would never I would never say that the pandemic is a blessing, but I think it has opened doors for people who consider themselves full-time performers and then not having to it's forced all of us to find different ways to connect mm-hmm. and tell stories and whether yeah. that's the both of you doing right. a podcast or me directing or teaching more like I think it it in a way like yes, I haven't been working in the traditional sense as a performer would work, but I I have continued to work, which has been interesting you know and i mm-hmm. and um yeah. and i and i count myself lucky that i'm able to do that I, I think the hardest challenge i went through was what probably in 2016 i uh suffered a vocal injury on in mm. transit and i actually had to take six oh, weeks wow. off get surgery sort of re sew my voice back together again with a voice therapist our, our dear friend ellen lettrick was my voice therapist and um oh, wow. and my uh, incredible surgeon uh, dr sulika who took care of my surgery and then he's my guy and that yeah he's amazing and you know my amazing voice teacher sort of liz kaplan she sort of like sewed my voice back together half note by half note you know quarter you know half step by half step <laughs> wow. so it was it was uh, i i had what they called um a pseudo cyst on my vocal cords mm-hmm. which is like the the way i describe it to people is it's like when you wear shoes that don't fit and you get a blister 
on your foot and it's filled with fluid. I know this is sort of gross okay. um, for a podcast, but when it's when it's filled with fluid and, and basically what Dr. Suliga had to do was go in and like pop the blister because the blister mm -hmm. was right on the surface of my vocal cords. And I worked really hard for many years to like muscularly bring my cords together so that they I could still create a closure and create sound, but it wasn't sustainable to keep doing that and and mm. and the cyst got bigger and bigger. So um wow. So yeah, I had to take six weeks off and that, that I think that was probably the scariest because there's always risk when it comes I mean, even though Dr. Sulika is amazing and I had an incredible team of, of vocal professionals to help me get back on track, you know, I've defined myself as a singer for so long right. that right. it's to right. have that taken away from you in a moment's notice. You know, and these injuries happen they happen all the time. So, you know, you can sneeze wrong. And get a vocal right. injury, right? Right. So it's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, yeah. and that's, that's, and, 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 you know, and athletes get injured on the field all the time. Right. But for some reason, there is a weird stigma about vocal injuries that it's somehow right. the performer's fault right. or that, you know, once they're totally. injured, they're damaged goods and they don't sing well anymore or you, they can't be counted on anymore. Right. They're not right. dependable anymore. And it's actually quite mm. the opposite. I found that I sing better now, having better knowledge of my voice and the anatomy of my voice after the injury than I ever did mm. in my twenties when I would just wake up, you know, hung over and belt, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, that's, that's what we did in our twenties. We right. just opened up, you know, we would like go out all night and wake up and like, you know, go, go to our 10 AM and, and like belt Take some high Advil, seas. just get that swelling down. And just, yeah, just four, you'll be fine. Four Advil and a Gatorade. And we that's were like, right. and then, and then as you get older, you realize, Oh, like I, I can't do that anymore. And right. you know, all of that. Right. And actually like, Yes, there's. You should. I'm not advocating that you do that, but I also think that as you get older, you start developing sort of habits physically and vocally where you go, I got to do this to just get through the matinee, or I got to get, I got to do this to just get yeah. through the get through the New York Times being here during previews, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you don't yep. realize that you're just muscling through so much, so much of that when you should just be out and resting, mm. right? Right. Mm. Right, mm. right. But there's also so, such gosh, a stigma that, to yep. taking time and resting. Well, yes, that's right. And there's so many people who won't take time off. That's something that drives me crazy. I hope post-COVID people take uh, not coming to the building when you're sick more seriously. Uh, I think they have to now. I think they have to. And that also right. means that you know producers and the powers that be need to hire more covers. So right. yes, there's going to be more salaried employees and there's going to be more standbys, but it's necessary for the health of the company now you know right. it's it's an actual health concern you know right. that that has to that has to be counted in the bottom line when you start to capitalize a show yes we need more people Absolutely. in the building or we need more people on standby that are you know within a five block radius just in case something right. happens you know uh, and and i i also think that it's important that we we uh, as young you know as educators now for the next generation that we teach our students how to listen to their bodies. I, right, I ran yeah. into that with, with my Michigan seniors, for sure. They're they were exhausted. There were days where, you know, they're, they're, they're shooting showcase, they're finishing finals, they're, you know, right. and, and they're working on Godspell, where is, is, that's a show that, you know, you, don't, you never leave the stage, and if you're not singing your own song, you're ooing and eyeing for somebody else. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's exhausting, you know? Mm -hmm. right. And, and I, I, too, had to sit some of my students down and go, okay, now you have to listen to your body and shut up and spend the day drinking water and not talking to your friends before you get to rehearsal tonight. Right. You know? wow. Right. One of the things that we always ask people, is there, especially 
in this time, is there a book or a resource or something that you have found invaluable um, to get you where you are? Something that I always I like this too. Just even as far as art is concerned, if there's something that you something you found invaluable, yeah, the world is. the world is a hard place to, to be in right now with the 24-hour news cycle and everything that's happening and the uncertainty yeah. of it all. I have found solace in things that help me escape. Mm. And the biggest, yeah. es- the thing that I escape into is RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes. So that has been my saving grace. Uh, it is, it yep. is, <laughs> for some reason, RuPaul's Drag Race is like, it, sometimes it feels like an election. It's like that nail bitery. <laughs> Do you mean like, I, I yeah. feel like, uh, you know, on election night when it, when, you know, in November last year, but it was like, oh, like I stayed up all night. I think I, I, w- I was with Leo Ash Evans. I think we went through like two boxes of Cheez-Its and, a, and Ben and Jerry's <laughs> and like ordered yeah. a pizza and like stressful. And I find myself having that same sort of stress but if but if it's over RuPaul's Drag Race and it's not like it's okay, do you mm-hmm. mean like right, so? It's right, actually right. like I I sort of need a little bit of escape from the world because we're constantly being bombarded by the reality of what's happening either on our televisions or you know on our on our alerts on our phone or you right. know right. So I so yes, thank thank God for RuPaul and thank God for drag queens. <laughs> there I, I I didn't realize there were like. There's there's drag race like in every country like almost every country now has their own. I've dra- are you watching all, all of, of the different? I've watched all of them, <laughs> all of them. And I, if if there can be more, please can there can there be more? Can there be more so that I I have something to escape to that is not you know that is not people storming the Capitol or what's happening with Jesus voting rights God. or like I, I just need like yes that is important and and it is important yes. to stay up and current. It is also important to like just take a mental break and like. And 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 put your you know and and p- focus on some drag queens trying to win a reality TV show. What would you say is the most influential musical in your life? Could be in your career, in your life. What musical shaped you? Oh, Rent for sure. Rent yeah. came out when I was sixteen, and I was the rent head sleeping mm-hmm. on Forty First mm-hmm. Street to get my twenty dollar ticket. And I saw that original company so many times. I think in that one summer of ninety six, ninety seven, I, I think I saw the original company over ten times. Which wow, meant I, wow. which you grew up here. You I grew, grew up, up in New York. Side, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. I didn't really tell my parents that I was like taking the subway <laughs> at like one in the morning to go, to go like, you know, hang out with the homeless folks on 41st street and like make friends with them as I waited for my $20 ticket and make friends on the sleeping bag line. So like, that was me, wow. you know, um, that and rent and Chicago also did a $20 ticket and those, and, and that was what I could afford in high school. And I remembered I would go, I saw Rent many times, but also Chicago was sort of the the show that made me go. Okay, I gotta I gotta put my ass in dance class and like mm. go and like it it, yeah. it always inspired me. So I remember seeing this was back when it was still at the Schubert when they mm. had moved the first time. They went from mm. the Rogers to the Schubert, and I saw, gosh, you know, BB uh, Newworth and the late amazing Anne Ranking so many times, and I was mm. I felt like I was watching wow. a Fosse masterclass when I would watch Anne Ranking. I can't even imagine. Me, me neither. I also think, like, I see BB Newworth on, she's on, like, all sorts of TV shows. She pops up and, like, you know, all over the place. And I remember, it wasn't Madam Secretary. She was on Madam Secretary for a long time. Yeah. And I was, I would watch her and be like, no, like, people don't understand. She's, <laughs> she's not, like, she's, she's not politic, per, she's not a lawyer. She's not a, right. a political analyst. She's, she's fucking, she's Chicago. Yeah. Stop it. You know, like, but, you know. There's so many. There were so many theater people on that show, but I just remember being like, it, "She." It was almost like she had this this secret that, and of course, she didn't have it. Everybody knows BB Newworth is a 
amazing, you know, Broadway legend. But I was I was wondered if like people who were just fans of Madam Secretary had any idea. You know, no idea. But do no your idea. research, kids. Right. Do your research. Do your research. Um, There's YouTube. Can we talk about Rent a little bit more? Uh, you've done so many iterations of this. Um, you, so you, you're you're waiting online. You're waiting for your twenty dollar ticket. You're that kid, and then you you take it. Do you do the national tour first? No, do you do, I, do you do the revival? So the, the the how I got Rent was I had just finished Wicked in Chicago. And I came home, and the first job that I got coming home was actually Godspell at the paper mill. And my and this was back in 2006, so my dressing roommate at the time was Robin de Jesus. <laughs> and Robin, Rob, I have Robin to thank. Do I owe Robin 10%? Because Robin was like, so I'm going to go do this musical. Um, it's written by this guy nobody knows. His name is Lynn, and he wrote like a rap musical. And there's a part in it for me, and it's really funny. And like, we're going to go do it off Broadway and maybe Broadway. I don't know. Who knows? So he was like, but I'm leaving rent. So Telly, really you got to like, like get on the rent train. You got to like audition for rent. I'm leaving. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, that's my dream show. I would love to do rent one day like I just but nobody ever left that show because it was like right. the, the steadiest job on Broadway and and such a joy to do like I, I, I've always said if Rent was still running today I'd still be in it I'd still be doing it because I loved wow. doing it so much and I loved right. doing it with that group of people um, so I auditioned for Rent but also Robin de Jesus that was also the, the first professional job for a young Joshua Henry right. so Joshua Henry was playing Judas in that production and Robin again was like, so Joshua, like they need a, the Chris Jackson's going to do that, but they need a cover for his role. So like you should audition. It could be your first Broadway show. And it was, it was his Broadway debut. So literally Joshua Henry wow. and I owe Robin DeJesus 10% as well. Wow. Um, unreal, unreal. And then you got to play Angel. Yeah. Um, at, at, uh, at the Hollywood Bowl recently. Um, well, so what was it, ago. was it like to, uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, wasn't that the wasn't yeah dude did you see that did you see that chart like it was like a meme that came out a couple days ago that was like there was like 2019 was a year ago right. 2017 never happened uh-huh. <laughs> like like you know 2014 to 2016 what even was this right like you know it, well, so I think, to I me think 2010 to me, also resonates really was just strong a second ago. it was because we were like sophomores and sophomores and juniors in college too so it's like i remember yeah. that production very vividly because that was when we were like in the steep of paying attention to everything that was happening and i was like i saw yeah. every single video of aaron Tveit singing every song oh on the show. you know what well, I mean? the, so the funny part was uh, that was like the beginning of people being able to film something and then put and it put on, on youtube, YouTube. the yeah. minute it happened and i yeah. remember so like it's the hollywood bowl and it, they're used to like symphony things and like you know, vanessa hudgens was mm-hmm. the mimi at the time she was still with Iconic. zach efron Right. So like, in fact, in, on one of the nights of, on one of those performances, she sang Out Tonight to Zac Efron. And like, and, uh, now I've been, I'm happily married. We've been married. We've been together for 16 years. We've been married for five of those years. Right. But, um, but you know, my husband was always like, if I ever had a hall pass, it would be Zac Efron. He has the <laughs> biggest crush on Zac Efron. So, I, so of course, like now I'm doing the show with Vanessa. Vanessa's still with Zac. And the spouses, the, the, our plus ones, were had backstage access. They had backstage passes. They could come backstage, enter their mission, after the show, before the show. Jimmy is like with Zac 
all the time now. And I'm going, well, honey, I was like, uh, this is it. This is this is the hall pass. If you don't take it now, I don't know when this I'll... This is your chance. This is it, and of course. Oh, know. my God. But anyway, but like I remembered like Jimmy and Zach coming backstage <laughs> and intermission is this one night. The, is, is this the biggest moment in Guys Who Like Musicals history where Telly Leung tells us that he had an affair with Zach Efron? And we, <laughs> oh, no, no and, gosh. No. And it's it's now we get like, oh we will be, end up being the biggest <laughs> podcast ever. Ever, <laughs> if this no, is true, please. I, I I I do adore Zach though. He's like he's sweet as can be, and like um, he has also a, a phenomenal Netflix show. I'm forgetting the name of it now, but I binged it during quarantine. It's phenomenal, actually. Yeah, where he travels, travels around. Yes, and, yes. it's yeah, so yeah, good. Yeah, it's yeah. so 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 good. Um, but uh, but anyway, I remember Zach coming backstage, going, "Hey, Act One's already on YouTube." And we had just done it. So somebody sat in that audience, filmed all of Act One, and already posted it on YouTube during intermission. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I can't, you know, I, that was just so new to me in 2010. Right. I was like, how is that? I can't believe it's so fast, you know, and nowadays it's Instagram stories. Right, 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 right. 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 That was really right. just getting started then. That's so true. Which is crazy, crazy. to think about. 11 years later, now well, here we are. Well, especially like, where we are now. Yeah. Wild, wow. wild, wild, wild. Um, so one of the, I, I again, this, this is one of our questions that we, we ask everybody, and I call it the unreachable star question, which is, which is your future, the goals that are in the on the horizon, a million miles from from here. What, where are you pointed towards? You know, you I um, I've really enjoyed, I've really enjoyed in this year working with the next generation, working with college kids, and there's, I've always had this. You know, I don't. I sort of don't see myself as somebody who performs into my 80s. You know, mm. like I think mm. there's a pheno- there are phenomenal performers, Cheetah Rivera being one of them. Who I was like, right. she's amazing. Marilyn May, like these phenomenal Len Len Carreau, like all of these per- phenomenal mm-hmm. performers that I was like, they are performers for life. They will do it till th- yeah. th- till their their last breath. And I've never yeah. really. Um, I've never envisioned that for myself. I think it's because I I do do a, a lot of teaching, and w- when I do get to see my students shine, and you feel like there's a little there's a little part of you up there that's doing it, where I, I feel like I don't need to be up there because because somebody that I've taught is up there doing it. It's sort of an amazing mm. feeling. Um, totally. One of my one of my MTCA kids is Shereen Pimentel. Which wow. I, who I coached, and obviously she's so talented. She didn't need a lot of coaching at all, but like she ended up going to Juilliard and she ended up playing Maria in West Side Story. Right. And again, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, do not count myself as somebody who's responsible for that. But I do know that I was part of her journey. I was part of her song exploration journey. I was part of, right. you know, she did admit to me many years later. We did an event together, and she was like, "You gave me." you gave me a song that I use all the time. Now I gave her migratory V to put in her book. And she was like, I use this wow. song all the time now because I talked about how much I loved Audrey McDonald. I said, well, do you know this song? And, and like, she still uses it to this day. And I was, I, you know, wow. little things like that, that I go, Oh, that's that there's a little bit of me in there and, and somebody who's out there being, being amazing and being a star now. And that's good enough for me. Actually, that's, right. that's really like, that's, that's, that's I, I feel good about that. So do I see myself retiring? I don't know. Uh, at Carnegie Mellon and teaching teaching musical theater, maybe I do, or Ann Arbor in Michigan, or I, right. I I do see that for myself, and I also know that, you know, as as I got older, I, I felt like my twenties were all about performing, and like and like reaching for the next opportunity, and then I met my husband, Jimmy, and and all of a sudden, like your priorities start to shift, where you go, oh, like 
I would really like a time where I know I have my summers off and I can plan a vacation. And it's not a, a right. working vacation because I booked a gig somewhere awesome and I'm working and he vacations. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like so much right. of our lives right. is that. And, and I know that I, I, now I'm 41 this year where priorities start to shift. You know, some, some of my friends who now have kids who have started families, their priorities have shifted. And so uh, I, I sort of feel that change coming on where I, I, I feel that for myself too. Hmm. So I, I do, I do see myself in academia. Totally, I do. I see it for not, maybe not right away, but for sure in the future. I just love that. That is the the answer of like the, the greatest teachers though. Like mm -hmm. what you just, you, what you just said is like, I don't want anyone teaching who doesn't think exactly the way that you think right, about right. it, you know, because so many, there's so many bad teachers all over the place and there's so many bad teachers in the arts, but there's this feeling with a lot of artists who like, quote, don't make it, who then go into teaching, right. which I just think is a death trap and it's, and it should be illegal, you right. know? And like for someone like you, who's had an unbelievable career, all, all sorts of wonderful projects who says, no, I actually get a same or better buzz by helping mm -hmm. that next generation. And that that's like, good Lord makes me want to go back to musical theater college and, and study with you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had, um, when I was doing Godspell at, at, uh, university of Michigan, I had a wonderful student choreographer who's going to be an up and coming, you know, he's, he's graduating senior. He's going to be coming to New York. His name is Conrad Sager, phenomenal dancer. But one of these people that, you know, we were, we got to talking and he sort of gave me a big aha moment. He was like, you know, Telly, sometimes as a performer, I, I am constantly looking at the clock going, when's our next 10 minute break? And he goes, what, but when I'm choreographing a show with you, I lose track of time. It doesn't even feel like I'm getting a credit for this. And I was like, ah, that's the thing that you should be doing. Right. Of course you should dance. You're an amazing wow. dancer. You should dance, be on Broadway, meet those amazing choreographers that you're going to want to study under, like get your Broadway debut. But I know like you're going to, you're going to spend countless hours where you lose track of time in a studio choreographing shows and figuring out and staging numbers because that's, I watch you do it and you, you lose track of time. I lose track of time when I'm with mm -hmm. students. So I, it, it made me go, you know, when this pandemic is over, I only want to do things that make me lose track of time now. Like whether that's teaching or directing or being a performer, I never want to like, I never want to be stuck in a position where I'm doing something and I'm looking at the clock anymore. You know, that's really from, I learned that from Conrad. I learned that from him because I was like, that's actually the best way I've ever heard it put. And I learned it from somebody who's like, you know, 21 and graduating college. Do you mean? Wow. I think I have to reassess my whole life. Um, I <laughs> think I need to go. Literally. <laughs> I think I need to go. I, I just like my palms started sweating. What if, when you what, said if that. what if, what you, if you're Joe and the only thing that makes you lose track of time is playing golf, but you're not good enough to be a professional golfer. <laughs> you know what though? Like it gives you joy. In all, yes. In all, in all seriousness, like, that feeling of losing track of time, yeah. I can count, I can count on like one hand, oh, the amount of times that's sad, that Joe. that's, I'm, you got to figure that out, buddy. I know, but I know like what those moments were, right. but I know like exactly what Conrad's talking right. about, where you're standing in a rehearsal room and you're like, fuck, it's like 10 minutes. Like I'm hungry and yep. I just want to go around the corner for a coffee so that I can get through whatever. But I oh my god yeah I need to I'm going for a walk after this I got some shit to think about <laughs> yeah Kate, Kate, um, <laughs> the casting director Kate Lumpkin described it like when she was a performer she used to stay up all night stressing about whether or not 
how the next day was going to go. Whether you know, but when she became a casting director, she slept easy. Yeah, mm. similar kind mm. of idea. It's like, what's the thing that if you're if you want to throw up, the last show that I, <laughs> the last show that I did, I basically wanted to throw up the entire process. Every wow. single minute I was on stage, I wanted to throw up. And there was a lot of things that caused that to happen, I think, when I look back. It's not that I'm not supposed to be a performer. You know, certain jobs have certain th things that come into play. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I do lose track of time when I'm editing. That's kind of one of the only times when I'm editing video. It's like I really get lost in the scene and, like, making the scene happen. And so maybe I should, like, follow that. I love that advice. That's great. I learned something so today. These hey, are, I, I like learned these. something, this and I, 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 apparently we all learned it from a from a twenty two year old. That's right, <laughs> right, that's right. We need to get that this that motherfucker on the podcast. <laughs> you should hey, listen, Conrad. You twenty one year old. You, I, I got something listen, to say. Brilliant. You're no, not allowed. He, 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 he is but, wise beyond his years, and I yeah. like first of all wise beyond his years because he's he'll, he'll he'll just like drop a truth bomb sometimes, and you're like you're twenty two, but also like staging. Uh, having worked with many, I, I've said to him, I was like, you sort of, first of all, he had to choreograph the whole show nine feet apart and still make pretty stage pictures. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you're doing it under duress and you're still giving me great work. Mm -hmm. And he's a great collaborator And that I go, hey, this moment, I know you thought of this, but I really need this. And he goes, got it. And like five minutes later, he would have come up with a plan B. That's again, a wonderful collaboration between all the mm -hmm. artists in the room. I mean, like he's, He's someone to look out for, for sure. University of Michigan, class of 21, for sure. I just, love that. Yes, oh get him gosh. on the podcast. You'll love him. It's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, where can people uh, Where can people see or hear from you? Or do you have anything to promote? I know you're, you're great on Instagram. You're great on Twitter. Um, uh, yeah, you know. I'm easy to find. I'm at Telly Leong on Instagram and Twitter. Um, my web My website is tellyleong.com. Um, you know, I like I, I, again. I I always tell students who are like aspiring musical theater students or theater students or whatever. I said if you write me an email at telly at tellyleong.com and you have questions, I, I will get to it at some point i might not get mm -hmm. to it like right away but if mm -hmm. you're like hey i'm a student of theater and i'm trying to you know find out x y and z about something like i i try to get to all of those um again just my way of paying it forward so right i don't know drop me a line i love that you got any advice for dan and i <laughs> y'all are doing <laughs> that's it. all the time we have for today no. <laughs> y'all are doing it i i love I, I love this podcast i love that you're doing this and and giving people a platform to share their stories and so I think you're doing it. Oh man! Well, you're the best. Thank you for and, being here. This was thank a joy. You're great. Such a joy. Thanks and for having me. Thank you for listening to Guys Who Like Musicals. We are now part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Woo! We are hosted by Dan Tracy. That's you. And Joe Carroll. That's me. We're produced by Ryan Kincaid, and Matthew Mucha is the social content manager. You can find us on Instagram at Guys Who Like Musicals, on Twitter at Musical Guys, or the old-fashioned way at www.guyswholikemusicals.com. If you'd like a chance to be featured on the Ask the Guys segment of our show, please call 203-900-7990 and leave a message with your question. As always, thanks for listening. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. 